the dynasty think tank i'm chad parsons got jordan mcnamara here and we are talking in-depth dynasty strategy the nfl draft is behind us and rookie drafts are the flavor of the month we'll get into startup drafts as the summer goes along but right now it is about those existing teams and it is about dominating in the draft and as we've said that doesn't always include drafting those rookies trading has become the name of the game for both of us and we're going to share some of our stories after hours and in our bonus content this week over here at patreon.com slash dynasty think tank we have the three big things to open the show and jordan first thing item number one don't react and overreact to early off season news and a lot of people they end up uh putting out rankings january february everyone's going to be a superstar and then we get to the draft and it sags, it disappoints. And you're going to call this after one of the wide receivers du jour this year for the 2023 moniker, because a lot of times people get sticky and what happens is you see them vault up or stay up on rookie boards. Yeah. I call this the Josh Downs rule. And I was just fumbling through some, some Twitter notifications that I get pushed to me in every one of them for like an entire afternoon was about how Josh Johns caught this ball and he caught that ball and he caught this ball. And I was like, what, what is going on? I was like, we're already doing rookie minicamp overreactions. It's been, we haven't even drafted rookies. And like we're not even through a lot of first round of rookie drafts yet. And already you can kind of feel that thing moving just today. I saw uh, a video of Rasheed Rice uh, you know, catching a comeback and then uh, and then you know spinning around uh, to the outside and, and my comment was he looks really great in pads catching balls from Patrick Mahomes oh wait they were in shorts and it was some UDFA quarterback or or whoever it was definitely wasn't Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball so you know, just be kind of careful about overreacting to those right just remember that a lot of stuff that's happening early on in the offseason we talk about base rates we talk about hit rates we talk about all those things um, these videos and these Twitter narratives that pick up in early May don't change those. Right. So just sort of be careful about overreacting to them. Yeah. And I was thinking back to last off season, you want to talk about a day three wide receiver that pretty much did every single thing, right. And let's fast forward to where we are today. Romeo Dobbs, right? I mean, he was the name Christian Watson was injured to start, uh, I think at least through part of camp, most of camp, he was, he was miring and we saw Dobbs. Oh, this is going to be electric. He comes in, lights get on September, October, November, and things change, you know, not quite as warm and fuzzy as all the glowing summer reports. And now let's fast forward. They draft another wide receiver in round two. Aaron Rodgers is gone. They draft another notable uh, Dontavian Wicks uh, out in day three, who has a pretty good profile himself. They draft two wide, uh, two tight ends. Life comes at you fast, and you know that you're going to get the competition coming. Uh, you know, unless you are unequivocal, you know, Stefan Diggs type, Tyreek Hill type of just such an unstoppable force that it's just tough that inertia of being a day three and being a later pick, whether it's wide receiver or otherwise, it is really tough. Ask Michael Carter, Michael Carter. I mean, they're coming for you. Like the competition is coming. And so I remember Romeo Dobbs was such a glowing success story. And yet right now, try to give him away. See how far and how high in a rookie draft you can trade him and actually get something up the board to tear jump. Teaser, you can't. 
So that's a big reminder. Yeah, I saw Josh Downs go in the first round in one or two of leagues, like 110 or so. And it's just, again, holding on to what might be, and like you said, a video of Rasheed Rice, you know, slow motion. It's gorgeous. 5K, whatever it is, you know, just uh, high, high definition. And it looks great. It's like NFL films and it's versus air shells and some fourth string quarterback that's going to be playing wiffle ball with his kids in two weeks. So getting paid, uh, coming out to get paid $14,000. So paying, uh, paying the mortgage for a good chunk of the year here. Um, so Josh Downs is, is one of those big ones. Jalen Hyatt, people are pretending like he didn't fall. Oh, great landing spot with the Giants. Okay, well, you still got to earn it, right? Most people thought he was going to be a speed base number two. Now people are projecting him and overdrafting him on his draft position like he's going to be the number one. So yeah, I, I think it, this this time of year, and we always see a big divide between May or right after the NFL draft and August, where who's going to get the drum beat? And I'll just add one guy. How about Roshan Johnson? We were talking about him before the show of just, you you have to have pause. I mean, I, I can't remember how many recordings I did talking about day three running backs. Don't do it. Don't do it. These guys are going the have and have nots on day two versus day three. Some are going to get it and some are not. And you know what? Your favorite might not. And we saw guys crater like Chase Brown, Israel Abanacanda, all these guys, uh, you know, Zach Evans, like a stone. And it's interesting because the one getting the love is Roshan Johnson. So it's mind blowing who people pick. I wouldn't even say that that's the easiest depth chart to, oh, he's going to be the running back one. Okay. Well, he's not that great. Let's, let's, please. I, I mean, Jordan, is this a kid safe show? Keep it in your pants. Can we just keep it in our pants? Because <laughs> it is dangerous. I've seen Roshan Johnson creeping up into the first round, uh, early second round, mid second round, for sure he's gone. Like, you just, please, please have pause and, and think about what you're doing. Drafting situation is a dangerous game because it's going to change in an instant. And everyone that you say that has a bad situation, one injury, and all of a sudden it looks a heck of a lot different. Um, and that, that blends into point number two, which is I've seen people sniffing around about, about Alexander Madison. I've also poked around. Jordan, this is not two or three years ago. This is tough to get Alexander Madison because everyone. I actually had someone tell me that Dalvin Cook is as good as gone. He's already gone. He's gone to Miami. They already have the landing spot. He is going to Miami. And why are people drafting the Evan chain? These are all very interesting things. But uh, vice grip Alexander Madison, we've been holding it for four years. And we've got a smattering of starts. But man, Jordan, we're going to get excited. <laughs> if Dalvin Cook leaves, I mean, this is a two-warp guy. Like, this is, this is big-time stuff. If we get the clarity in Minnesota that we didn't get for four years, this is like the anti James Conner. James Conner got it year two and all the way in Pittsburgh, not by his own doing, but Dalvin Cook has been stingy. It's like a, it's like a Robert Turbin situation. If you remember that, right? We had, we had uh Marshawn Lynch all of a sudden could not miss a game. And Dalvin Cook has been strangely durable over these Madison years, but man, that big bloated salary. So Really think about including running backs in your trades. Hold on to those guys. We've scouted these guys for a reason. The guys that you're going to draft in the rookie draft right here, the guys that you took last year, all the waiver wire pickups, all the time and attention. Please don't let that go away by just, oh, someone asked for them. No, take them out of the deal because you know they're freaking dynamite. And you know, on Twitter, it's, I put out, you don't, everyone hates them until you need them until you're going against them in November. 
And then you're like, oh crap, I'm going up against Madison. And, you know, we got, uh, we got Chase Brown getting the start, you know, Kendra Miller, you know, it's week five, still two games of suspension from Alvin Kamara. And now we got Jamal Williams out. We got a clarified start for Kendra Miller, all this stuff cascades. And it's almost like they, you know, think it's luck. They think it's luck that, that we, that you have 12 running backs on your team. And at one point in time, you have four or five that are starting it and you blow teams up with the high score of the season. It's not, it's not luck. It starts with this conversation that we're having right now and making good pragmatic decisions. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is a running back that we spent late seconds in the third rounds and, and listen, I, I think it's probably a bad outcome. Right to date, it's probably an unlucky outcome. Worst right? case, almost. Yeah, same thing with really, uh, with with AJ Dillon, right? Both of those guys sort of in that range that frankly haven't gotten a real crack at it, right? And, and the season-ending injury, the half-season injury, right? Absolutely, didn't didn't really compete. Was with guys that were really better than them, and you know, and there was a moment in time where like there was a Dylan, uh, Aaron Jones could have been gone, right? He was signed with the, with the jets for like a moment in time. And then he comes back and, you know, so Delvin cooks there, but you know, they, they have made basically every indication that he's not going to be there without saying that they're going to cut him. Uh, so we'll see they're, they're putting out there that, Hey, listen, we got the cast base to keep him. We'll see how that goes this summer. But, uh, I mean, I'm holding him firm and, you know, I've tried to slide down in rookie drafts to get him, you know, something like a second round rookie pick valuation. It hasn't worked. Um, I think that's a, a wise thing. I'm still holding on. And actually you and I just had this conversation, a team that we're, we uh, co-managed together. Uh, you were like, Hey, should we cut Kenny Wong? Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Because that could be an, an injury away shot. So, I mean, him and uh, you know, another way you would play this is saying, listen, Madison might be inaccessible, but Hey, are you in fourth round of rookie drafts, right? Is, is Kenny Wong available? Is Ty Chandler available? Right. Taking shots there on both of those guys. Again, we, we will, one of the themes of the show and one of the themes of our strategy is constantly being kind of a step ahead on the backup running back landscape, right? And just taking volume shots and then you, you keep curating your roster uh, as the offseason goes along. And as the season goes along, right? That's the thing that I'd be thinking about. So if you're getting into, you know, 410 land, right? You're late in the late in drafts. Is Kenny Wong will available, right? Can you draft a, can you draft a free agent in your draft? Is he available? Um, is Ty Chandler available? Those types of guys, right? And once waivers opens up, Right. They need to be rostered right now because you're taking the shot that something happens to Delvin Cook. He's gone. He's traded. He's cut. Something happens to Madison. You got the guy. And it's not that it doesn't really seem at this point to be that far away from actually being reality. Yeah. And the other thing is, let's let's talk about the clock on Alexander Madison. That when's the last time he played a, a month of full time workload college? Right. I mean time, you know, that was at 20 years old and now he's mid twenties. So the point is it's been a while. And Jordan, as weekend warriors like ourselves, if you don't do something and it's been a while for us, it's probably a matter of weeks. <laughs> if we don't do something in a, in a few weeks, all of a sudden you, you go, you kill yourself. You're trying to hit some career best and you're going to feel it. And it's going to be like, you got hit. So I just not, not about in doom, but just talking about patterns, you know, the starters, Ezekiel Elliott is used to being a starter. You know, he's shown that for uh, more than half a decade in a row. And, and then you get guys that are backups. And a lot of times you'll see the backups not last that long because it's a ramp up from, 
you know, five miles an hour to 60 miles an hour in terms of their workload. And now they've got to get back and ready to go by the next, you know, by Thursday or Friday, you know, you see DMP, DMP limited, you know, cause they got so many bumps and bruises and now they're going into the next game and they're going to be a warrior. So that's why you're saying Kenny Wangwu and Ty Chandler and just, we got to think ahead. And I was just thinking about the cascade, which is you need to think about every roster spot. So when we're talking about all these running backs and you go, I don't have room, Chad Jordan, I don't got, I, I don't have room. Well, you have to make room. So that actually impacts every other roster spot on your entire team. That's why we say go lean and mean at wide receiver. That's why we say try to consolidate, get a really tight, you know, if it's start three, a tight five, you know, tight four, like, and, and cross that bridge if you don't have three when you get there. Because if you, it could be easy to get sucked in. We talk about Josh Downs and, you know, 50 other guys. I see people drafting, drafting Michael Wilson and just, what are you guys doing? Like, what's the plan here? You're just going to hold that guy forever. You're not going to, there's no way you get clarity on that in September, but you may get clarity on a number of these backfields. Um, so, so that's the bigger thing is you have to plan ahead. And it starts with, oh, really? You're going to sit there and draft your third quarterback in 24-man rosters. Okay. Mm -hmm. but have a plan. What's your exit plan? Cause it's hard to trade those guys. And now you say, Oh, well, I can't cut Jared Goff. I kind of agree with you. You can't ch cut Jared Goff, but that means you can't get into the situation and you can't sit there and go, well, it's two ten, and CJ Stroud is the best player. You'd need to kind of talk yourself out of that. Mm -hmm. You just have to, maybe you trade the pick and Jared Goff and get whatever you perceive to be an upgrade. I don't know what to tell you, but you can't make that pick because that becomes a flame throwing running back that you can't take. And I just see so many people, they can nod along and understand, and then they still go and make quizzical picks. And that's the only, we can say whatever on, on this podcast, but we can't make you do it. And when you get into your drafts, when you get into your waiver wire and you get hooked on, on these ancillary positions and long trajectories and runways that are just, they're not getting here by September. You, you're just killing your team, killing your team. Like the first order of business, like I took over an orphan that had like four running backs and like 15 wide receivers and, or 12. But the point is egregious. And the first thing I thought about is this is going to get completely reversed by week one. It's going to start happening in the draft. I'm just going to start cutting guys. I'm going to try to get three pick upgrades in the draft to get somebody that I like and shed this wide receiver the, the Taekwon Thorntons of the world, you got to go. I can't, I can't stare at your face. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, it's just not going to happen. Uh, yeah. All right. And then we got number hey, one three. last thing on Madison, yeah. by the way, yeah. too. Yeah. When you actually look at his contract, it's not that impressive in this class. He went two years, $7 million. When you think about that, you're like, yeah. that doesn't really add that much. When you actually look at the guarantees, uh, six, basically $6.4 million that comes in fourth in this, in this free agent class that's behind yeah. Miles Sanders behind Montgomery behind Williams, but grade him against the prior years. Right? You grade yeah. him against the prior years in 2022. That's the second most behind Fournette. Uh, when you go back to 2021, uh, it's the it's the uh, the second most as well uh, in that class behind uh, behind Kenyon Drake. So you start looking at uh, you start looking at these classes and you see that like the relative money that he actually signed for was actually better than it appears just on face on face value when you're actually just looking at the where he ranks in this free agent class. Yep. And you you think, why would he go back there? Obviously there's the comfort, the familiarity, but he had interest. He had people sniffing around in season in 2022. And certainly starter chops, he's shown that when he's had the opportunity. And yet he goes back to Minnesota, whether it's him, his agent, the front office, somebody sniffing around going, you know what? 
don't count on Dalvin being here. Like that's not a, a given and your time to shine with this team, with this strong offense, it's coming, you know, and they gave him the money that, as you said, is representative of someone in this day and age at the NFL uh, on second contracts or just being out in the, the landscape, you know, you're not on a rookie deal and you're not second on Barkley. You just have, that's a legitimate working man's salary there in the NFL at the most dangerous. Don't have your kids grow up to be running backs position. Last one of the three big things. Number three, Will Levis. What are we doing here, Jordan? Uh, you're, you're talking about Hinton Hooker. Let's multiply that a little bit with what Will Levis is doing in these super flex drafts. Quick quiz, non-elite profiles on day two for quarterbacks. You want to you wanna guess on the hit rate here? Uh, I'm going to go and with less than 20%. Less than 20%. 12% day two. Oh, but he went early. Let's start making exceptions to everything. Nope, we watched him in the green room. I can confirm he did not go round one. So he's day two, whether he was pick 35 or pick 91. He was there. He's not elite. He's got a host of problems. Frankly, I mean, no one handles it well, but it doesn't seem like he handled it well dropping either. So I, I just, this is going to be very interesting. The team that took him was a team rumored to be interested in quarterbacks in round one. And they did not trade up. They stood right there. They did not take Will Levis. And then they traded up in round two. We were trying to figure this out. It's like a puzzle. It's like a Rubik's Cube, Jordan. Why? Uh, you said that this doesn't preclude them from doing something next year. Of course it doesn't. They just did the same thing with Malik Willis. So you have a 12% guy that, ooh, let's, let's bump it. If you really like Will Levis, okay, bump it to 15%. I joke tongue in cheek, but that still puts him nowhere near where you can ever, 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 ever touch him in a rookie draft. And yet we're seeing him go in the first round or the first pick or two of the second round of these super flex drafts. It is baffling. And it is one of the closer of all the things you do. I mean, this could be percentage wise worse than Roshan Johnson at the same spot. We say never take day three running backs. 12% Jordan. I know we're playing the positional premium here. Like, what if, what if, what if? Yeah, what if you just lit that pick on fire? <laughs> also, so I just, Will Levis priors are holding absolutely firm. This is like if you're an arm wrestler, that, that vice grip, people cannot let go. Malik Willis, people could not let go. You've got to get a deal, and there's no deal happening, in my opinion, on Hinton Hooker and on Will Levis. Yeah, I just I just looked it up in the AOD trade database and or excuse me, the AOD rookie draft database. Uh he is there at the 112 uh and 17% of drafts he's taken in the top 9 picks of Superflex drafts. I mean, talk about just just lighting that on fire. Uh, I I can't right, I can't. And I, we talked about this earlier, right? It's a sub 20% bet. We we're talking about this off air. Um, that we do a, after our show for the Patreon, we should do like a, like a pre-gaming episode uh, as well. And it was, you know, I made a deal uh, involving uh, Desmond Ritter for basically 203. And again, the odds of that, I think are a lot better because he's already a starter. He's projected to be a starter. Again, I, I don't have high, super high hopes, but that's better price than spending 110, 111, where you could maybe draft a, a tight end and tight end premium, where you could draft potentially a falling first round wide receiver. Uh, you could draft maybe a running back that you like, depending on sort of who's there, right? Um, all of those things right, that you're spending on Will Levis, who frankly, the, the problem I have with Will Levis is 
A, he's old. B, he takes sacks on a ton of his pressures, which is really predictive from college to the NFL. It's really like one of the one that like the one stat that really has some stickiness and you don't want to be in that territory, right? The guys that really struggle with that are tend to be the bad quarterbacks. The guys that are really good at it tend to be the really good quarterbacks. Um, so you had to be really careful there. But on top of all of that, they took Malik Willis last year. They took Will Levis this year at, at a cheap at a cheap price and at a price that if you're thinking about contending, you think you're going to be middle of the pack. Like they're shooting to be a playoff team as we sit here right now. It's a reasonable price to pay because they're like, they themselves are trying to think past Ryan Tannehill and saying like, if we're sort of middle of the pack, you know, if we're competing for a playoff spot, we're picking in the teams. We want to have an option after Tannehill. The problem is, is I don't think that's super realistic and there's very good chance they're picking in the top five next year and i don't think will levis at at 30 you know in the in the 30s is going to stop them from coming back and taking a quarterback so old unproductive and uh and like already on a time clock without by the way any quality supporting cast outside of uh Traylon burks and shiga Kongu, which by itself isn't a really good number one and two so all those things like color me out on that. Like, I think there's a lot, if, even if you have a need at quarterback, there's a lot of other ways. I mean, spend two seconds on Stafford, right? Spend a second on, on Ritter, like take different shots like that. Spend a little more on, on Jordan love. Like right. Jordan yes. love costs a little bit more. He's got multi-year allegiance. The team is extending his window right now in front of our eyes. And you're, you're taking a shot on Will Levis at a similar price point. I was outlining on the uh, decision-making matrix on just the graphic difference. If he had gone in the top 16 where he was rumored to go, like like uh, CJ Stroud, a non-elite profile um, there in the top 16, he would be right there at about eight. You know, if you're just stacking up profiles, he would be at eight in the class. He's kind of going there. You just said, what, nine, right? Nine or so, nine, 10, somewhere yeah. in that range for, for just the average, what you're likely to see. And if he drifts, it's not drifting far. So that's where he would go. Now, if he were, um, I was looking here, if he was a late first, that would, like, people don't realize the drop-off. That still puts him in the mid-second. Even if you want to, like, just have rose-colored glasses on. Mid-second. And right now, like, if you don't get him the last dripping pick of round two or something, you're just, you're overpaying. You're flat-out overpaying for the profile because of the position he he plays. And it's especially troubling because a lot of these leagues are some form of tight end premium and you are saying no to pedigree at tight end for wilting, dropping, sagging pedigree at quarterback that it's not, this is not historically a good look. And you mentioned it. I mean, reactive to pressure. He's one of the worst in clean pockets. I mean, th that says everything you need to know when life is good. He makes it bad. You're supposed to be looking good. This is against air. This is the Rasheed Rice catching passes in shells video. And yet Will Levis is throwing it through somebody or throwing it to his mama in the stands. Like this is not, you cannot, if you can't thrive in a clean pocket in college, the chaos of the NFL is going to eat you for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> so I, I don't know where we're going with this, but it's nowhere and it's fast. Like you just said, it's probably going to end in 12 months. when. Tennessee, if they're good, it's going to be on the shoulders of Ryan Tannehill, staying healthy and the, the team winning enough games. And then if it doesn't go well, they're going to be high enough in another fruitful quarterback class to do something about it. And we're seeing more veterans moved than ever 
before. I want to remind you about the bonus podcast over at patreon.com slash dynasty think tank. Last week, we were talking about moving around the rookie draft board strategy session there in our deeper dive. Of course, you're going to learn about us as well. We're going to talk about some ancillary topics. We talked about uh, my my bike crash and uh, biking in general. We got some special topics planned this week as well. Deeper dive this week. Both of us combined have been in dozens upon dozens. Talk about a stressful full-time job, Jordan. I mean, the past 24 to 36 hours, I mean, our emails are blowing up, you know, like we're trying to do pyramid schemes. Like it's amazing uh, of just trying to keep everything straight, keep all the, the spreadsheets and, and tracking and, you know, send out trades, optimize our boards. So we are going to share our early rookie draft data points this week on the Dynasty Think Tank deeper dive. So you want to be a part of the Patreon community there at patreon.com slash Dynasty Think Tank. Got a couple trades this week in terms of Dynasty strategy. And this one actually curled our brow kind of thinking about it because there's some interesting webs to weave. And this is Superflex tight end premium. You got the two PPR, which means big time tight ends are big time gold. And you got Mark Andrews in there, which almost makes this a did I get enough because... He is a critical player at a critical position in a critical format. So Mark Andrews for 306 and 306 for Jordan Love, Juwan Johnson, 104, and 205. It's a lot of premium pieces there, uh, interesting pieces. Mark Andrews also, one thing we discussed before the show, putting this together, different offense. They keep adding to wide receiver. That hasn't worked yet. Mark Andrews is basically, uh, you know, uh, Travis Kelsey East in terms of that's the wide receiver one. I am the captain. So until we see something else out of Rashad Bateman or Zay Flowers or Odell Beckham or insert anybody, uh, I'm going to believe that it's Mark Andrews today, Mark Andrews tomorrow, Mark Andrews forever. So two PPR, he's like starting a gold standard wide receiver here. I'll say, did they get enough? Let's break this down. So the the thing I came back with is this: like you have to really appreciate how valuable he is in uh, in this format, right? The two PPR is super juiced, right? He is in, he's a top thirty asset in this in this format. Um, clearly a top thirty asset in this format. So I think that's as a if you don't plan a ton of uh, two PPR for tight end, just realize how important that is, right? You're scoring with the top uh, with with the top wide receivers, and even more important than that you're expanding out the edge over tight end 10, 12, 15, right? That becomes a lot bigger gap when you're adding on an extra point for uh, for the tight end there uh, in scoring. So that's the initial thing that I, I think it's warrant talking about. And again, he's a star guy, so top 30 guy. Generally, like, I, I think of this a couple of ways. When you go back and you look at, at what he has done on a per route basis, he is as efficient uh, as almost anyone not named Travis Kelsey, right? He is, he's right there. He has a tight end one overall finish on his resume. Uh, and those guys, not a lot of them walking around. There's only two of them active right now. It's Kelsey and Andrews, right? And there's only been nine this century that have done it, right? So it's a very, it's a super exclusive club. It's very hard to get into. You have to be super high efficiency and you have to be uh, very, uh, you have to be, super efficiency and high routes. Okay. In that year that he ran, uh, that he was a tight end one led the league in tight end routes, right? That's a, that's a big part of it. Um, and I think what you said too, kind of hits it on the head of why I like Mark Andrews so much, the change in the offensive coordinator, right? We saw the one uptick year where they actually threw the ball, uh, quite a bit, right? He leads the league in, in 
and tight end routes run, and he leads the league in tight end scoring, right? He has that capability. Uh, I think that if this team jumps from being a, a negative uh, passing expectation, right, they run it more than expectation uh, across a lot of their their play scenarios and all that, right? I think if they if they if that script flips, right, there's a ton of opportunity for Andrews to hit an elite ceiling and basically be Kelsey after Kelsey. So that's that's my thought there. Um, I, I the way I kind of thought about the other aspect of this on the other side of this deal. I think it might matter. It might matter to you who's available at four, right? If you're sitting on the clock and it's, it, it, if there's different, does it, does it change for you how you view this deal depending on who's available at four? Well, pretty much Jameer Gibbs will be available based on what we've seen. Jameer Gibbs is the most likely guy to be available. Sometimes Bryce Young is available. Um, Anthony Richardson is generally not BJ Robinson long gone. So Look at it this way, though. And, and 205, again, that gets you into is that pa- that's past mayor, right? I, I'm kind of going going through the Rolodex. I mean, so you're Laporta probably gone and, and Dalton Kincaid long gone. Um, so you're kind of in that zone where you probably are looking uh, running back, if I were to guess. Um, so that's a running back or a trade type scenario. 104, obviously a critical element. This is a lot of risk for me, Jordan. Like, I wish like 104 I like, but I mean, you kind of need that quarterback to hit in a significant way. And I'll just ask this, Jameer Gibbs, you know, we talked about that profile of someone like DeAndre Swift, you know, someone that's not, if you're like the Alvin Kamara, when he was in his absolute dominant prime, he wasn't really a full-time workhorse prototype that we've seen. And so you're doing it a different way. And that's going to probably be how Jameer Gibbs does it. You know, if he gets high, a high ceiling, it's going to be through that prism. He's on a strong offense. We certainly could see him used that way. Frankly, it might be the way that we kind of saw Javid Best before his career was shortened. It could be the way that DeAndre Swift, if he had stayed on a trajectory and they hadn't ground him down in the Pittsburgh rain or whatever it was, that one game that sort of ended his his uh, Detroit career in a lot of ways for us right in front of our eyes, um, that one uh, that one uh, rain, rain-soaked game. But I think that if he does end up getting 60, 70, 80 catches, that's going to be the methodology and how he gets there. I would ask the question, though, within that deal, does that, does that make this okay? Assuming Jameer Gibbs gets to... PPR hierarchy top six to eight of the position. Does that automatically win the deal? And I think the answer is no. You kind of mentioned passing the torch from Kelsey to Andrews. Kelsey is a year to year play. I mean, I actually, I've had zero non zero percent probabilities that he might retire if they win the Super Bowl. And, you know, so, and that's why I had Noah, Noah Gray stashed. I, I mean, I was like, this could, be a thing or they could have drafted tight end this year in the late first. So Kelsey's a year to year. Andrews is significantly younger right in the tight end prime. And if this turns over and Kyle Pitts has not turned into a dominant alpha unicorn at that time, Andrews grip at the top of the position pending, pending Kittle is going to be really interesting. He could actually grow in positional differential in value because right now it's like oh Hawkinson great great season you got Kelsey you know you have you have three four five guys and people are pivoting around and I I think Andrews isn't getting his due of a guy that is just dominant per route dominant on a target per route basis I mean his a dot like 
the more I study this stuff, I mean, tight ends over 10 on any significant volume is pretty rare. So he also has the big play ability, the chunk play, which tons of guys don't. Tons of guys are short and hopefully they get something after the catch and a lot of them suck at it is is kind of the, the scope. So when you get all that put together, like Mark Andrews, the ceiling just vaults. And so, I, I mean, I'm bullish. I, we're, we're, this is a pro Jordan Love show. I, I'm a big time Juwan Johnson fan and I love the 104 and I still couldn't do this. I couldn't do it. it it's There's certain guys that you've got to get... The biggest piece here is a yet-to-play NFL rookie that's not named Bijan Robinson, right? Yeah. The biggest piece, the biggest reason you're doing this deal, it better not be Jordan Love, it better not be 205, it better not be Juwan Johnson, it better be 104. And we're we're saying, it, w- this could have been on the clock, but it was probably Bryce Young or it was Jameer Gibbs. And if it was anybody else, I mean, just light it on fire. You already lost. Like, that's not even a competitive point. So... Hopefully yes. it's one of those two players. What yeah. what else do you have to add to this? I mean, yeah. two PPR. The one thing I wanted to mention when you were setting this 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 scene was the more I've studied it, two PPR for tight end is essentially start two. And actually two PPR might even have more positional power because it's not start two where it thumps down the scoring. It's traditional 1.0. This is 2.0 where if you're not starting two tight ends, you did something wrong and you're not strong enough at the position that matters a lot. So your goal in a startup draft with, with this kind of positional premium should be, I'm starting two tight ends. Can I flex more? Yes, please. Like that's a way to optimize the format. And so Andrews is at the forefront of that where he's locked into your starting lineup spot, but that's only the start of your dominance of the position. Can I get a Goddard? Can I get a Kittle? Can I, can I draft Kincaid? Keep going because that's where the format leads you with this scoring. And so I just wanted to highlight that because a lot of people think it's still start one. You want to start generally more than one in a two PPR. For sure. And like you start looking at uh, and two PPR scoring, Mark Andrews per route run uh, is 0.49 points per route run. Uh, just to give you by way of reference, like if you start looking at some guys um, like Jefferson's 0.52. Right, so he's right on. That Basically, Justin base. Jefferson of the of the tight end position. Uh, absolutely. So that's that gives you an idea. He's above Adams, right, for his career. So and would that, you? And let me ask you this: in a stock format, would you trade Justin Jefferson for this? Without the I tight end not. premiums, yeah, you just no, superimpose you that. Okay, you wouldn't. Um, so the one thing I w- I will sort of point back to why I think I'll just I'll give you a little number to this: twenty eighteen through twenty twenty, uh, they were eight percent under passing expectation given their given their game situation, okay? Uh, Last year, 4% under expectation. The one year, the one year that they were at or about neutral, they were 1% under their passing expectation, 1% under, Mark Andrews leads leads the league in tight end scoring. So, like, he's an absolutely elite, like, all the metrics check out. The problem with this is, like, you have to have so many things go right and you have to have them happen at uh, with non-premium players, right? Jordan Love, you probably need to hit on, right? Assuming you're going Bryce Young 
or uh, Jameer Gibbs, right? If you're taking Jameer Gibbs, this is a non-premium position, right? Where you can, unless he's soup, unless he's transcendent, you can replicate that with some of the roster building principles we use. Or it's Bryce Young, who I wonder how big the ceiling is, right? So already you're putting yourself in a situation either at a non-premium position or at a premium position where you wonder about the overall ceiling, where you have a guy that can be a potential hammer over the next five years, right? And on top of that, right, this is the reason why you build around elite quarterbacks, right? So that way, when this situation presents itself, you can pull the trigger and say, I am going to take the elite player, right? So that way you don't have to feel like you're getting bogged down and saying, I got to take 104 because I need to address need at quarterback because, you know, I'm tinkering around and I've got, you know, uh, I had Trey Lance as my, as my quarterback too, right? That's why you get out of this business. So when this situation presents itself, you can capitalize. And this is a, like Andrews is one of those players in this format that can carry you. He's a two warp guy in this format. And so I think it's Andrews. And the more we talked about it, the more I'm convinced of it. Yeah. I was, I was thinking back to what could make this more palatable. And if that 205 was higher, like if you could possibly have that pick high enough to get Kincaid or something, then you have a chance you know, to get a guy that could be a trajectory sort of player. And you add that to Bryce, uh, Bryce Young, let's say, and then Jordan Love. I mean, that makes it, but 205, you're out in the woods. You're out in the woods at 205. So that's not even a competitive point. Um, yeah. And and the, the last point you made, man, I, these, these leagues in Superflex, if you are at a, a position of power and you're not even like quarterback is a luxury sort of pick in the top four or five, if you can leverage that, you can get a haul if you are good at quarterback already. And you know what? You also could be in a situation where if you do take quarterback, and again, I'm I'm bullish on Anthony Richardson from a fantasy perspective. So we'll see where this goes. But there is risk there that NFL allegiance is far different from when you play, you, you put up a good fantasy number. There is a distinct divide. And you have to check. You have to turn both keys. Turn both keys to get that missile to launch. Um, that if you can say, if you can, if you are going to say no to that, because you're good at quarterback, um, you just have so much leverage. If you're shopping 102, 103, 104, uh, with a trade down, I mean, you can get some big time stuff. So just that is the ancillary benefit, uh, of, and not like you said, ch- the reverse of this is you feel like you got a chase. They probably took quarterback at four. They took, they have Jordan love and they're like, all right, who I had Tannehill and, uh, you know, uh, Tom Brady last year. And now I, I really fix things. Well, you lost Mark Andrews, and now you're taking two bets that you still really have very little data on. And we got one more. This is a little more benign, but I think it's very interesting as well because you uh, this trade uh, that you selected includes a player that I've been quietly shopping a little bit uh, across some leagues. I'll have to go and look and see if I've actually ex- executed any. But it's a start one quarterback. We got 103 and Rashad White for 102. And I think we've talked about scenarios like this whether it's uh, before the draft or immediately after the draft about just tier shifting. And this looks like it's a big time overpay, but you have to analyze the players and then you get to the point of saying, is it, is it really? Yeah. And I know the person that, that did this, it was me. Um, and I, I was, oh, okay. <laughs> I was hunting for, I said, listen, the difference between a first round wide receiver and a first round running back, which is probably what the difference that if I'm sitting at 103, the move from 103 to 102 is a first round wide receiver to a first round running back. Um, is it worth paying a day two, a, you know, a, a round three, day two running back for that? And the conclusion that I came to was clearly yes. So that one was, it was pretty simple to me. Um, and just in terms of like using profiles, uh, again, I, 
I'm interested in Rashad White, but don't let a guy that you're interested in that's kind of on the contributor level get in the way of a potential star. And that's kind of how I viewed this. Again, this is start one, so it's a little bit different than kind of the the we just rained a little bit on Jameer Gibbs's parade and the other one, right? It matters a little bit more in a non-premium in a uh, start one format, right? His, his profile matters even more in this format. So um, that's why I made the deal. And um, I snuck that one in there for you. I didn't, I didn't know if you uh, knew that I had done that one, but that was mine. No. Yeah. I, d- I actually, I looked, I did the same sort of deal. Jameer Gibbs fell to three and I went four to three with Rashad white. Uh, okay. I actually picked, I actually picked up Deontay Johnson on the back end of that thing. So I even, you know, went one, went one step further in the, the, the goose is loose. Yeah. Um, He's your but guy yeah, this year, by the way, He's your I, guy. I have picked up more Deontay Johnson in the, the rookie draft than I have had in my entire dynasty career to this point. He's dirt cheap. Traylon Burks is cheap too. Like what I find hilarious is you get beyond, like you'll get to like Zay, Zay flowers and then you can get like Traylon Burks plus for that pick. I find that fascinating that people are giving up and it's like Zay Flowers packed depth chart. Like, how is this thing going to work? And then Traylon Burks is over there. Da, da, da. Nick Westbrook Aquina. <laughs> like, it's, what happened here? They, I think they could, took Colton, uh, was it Colton Dowell or yeah. something in the seventh round? And it's like big competition alert. <laughs> First round <laughs> versus seventh round. Did you think Christian Watson versus Romeo Dobbs was a landslide? We <laughs> do see how this goes. <laughs> that guy might not make it out of camp. Okay. Uh, so, uh, looking at that again, here, here's a, the interesting thing, like looking at my rookie board, the thing I put together in a, in a strategy guide was basically to trade one Oh one in a stock format. You basically need one Oh one and one Oh two, and you could still say no to that. And then I'll say, I'll go one step further. If you have one Oh two and you drop one spot, you basically need one Oh three and one Oh four. And that you can still say no to that and justify it. And this is with Jameer Gibbs locking up round one pedigree, and he's basically on the same byline as Bijan Robinson. But we're not going to mix words and say that they're the same because one is prototypical. One we've also outlined that there's a specific way that he's going to need to be utilized um, as a tweener player that is different than Bijan Robinson, who who's going to walk in and probably be a workhorse. Sorry, Tyler Algier player. Um, so so Rashad White is definitely a stepping stone player. If you deal him, you know, I, I don't like the let's deal him for 201 and a future second. And like, this isn't a bail run for the exits. This is a utilize him. And you can actually like, this looks good for the other team. I'm getting a young running back projected starter could break out. I have a hard time thinking Tampa Bay running game is going to break out. I have a hard time thinking Baker Mayfield is going to pepper running back like Tom Brady did with Leonard Fournette and others. Really tough sell for me. You're getting Jameer Gibbs. You're upticking from everybody else at 103. I just said 102 is worth 103 and four plus, and Rashad White's not worth 104. So deductive reasoning. I'm not even good at math. I I barely passed that class. I think so. This is one where Rashad White uh, is carrying way more water than he should. So so that this to me is a pretty clear one. I don't think White and two is getting to one. So I think this is the absolute best and pinnacle of what you can do. But I also think Rashad White is a perfect player. If you're looking to rebalance, get over to a wide receiver. Uh, You could add him to a mid or later first, get a wide receiver you really like. Um, I was able to get some shares of Chris Olave, you know, in rookie drafting style. I already mentioned Traylon Burks, or if it's AJ Brown, I mean, you can go hunting, absolute head hunting this year. And people are, I think, over-exaggerating what these picks at six, seven, eight, you know, kind of are. And this is the way you build out wide receiver. You don't build it out by drafting. 
you know, two or three guys over the first two rounds and you go, ah, now I'm eight deep. I'm bound to hit on something. Yeah. You're bound to hit on something, which is looking at the other team that has a bunch of backup running backs that are about to shred you in November. Ooh. Uh, anything to add on this final one uh, with the one quarterback here? No, just continue to consolidate up, right? When you get a chance to turn core, you know, uh, contributors into core players or star players, like do it, you know, and then you can sort of figure out fit later on, but don't, you know, use this opportunity to n- avoid taking a first round wide receiver when you can take a first round running back. I think it's just that easy. Yeah. Uh, we got the dynasty and life lessons learned, uh, bridging the gap here. And I wanted to share one from, from this past week for me, which is, you know, you spend all this time. I know I do building the, the, the big board and, and the rookie rankings coming out of the draft, uh, you know, staying up all night, doing, doing everything you need to, to refine your plan. You find out the ADP, you have a very clarified plan. And I'll say this, it's a whirlwind. I don't care if you're in three or four drafts in one day or 30 it's a lot, you know, for, for whatever your prism is, that is a lot for you. It's to track. And I, I really want to, to mention how much important preparation is because if you do not prepare, and what I mean by that is you go through the draft process, you're studying profiles and we talk about adapting to what the NFL is telling us. You can like Will Levis or, you know, think that, Oh, I'm going to get him in the late first round. You pivot off of that because of the final piece of information that the NFL gave us running back. Same way you get some guys fading to day three, there's certain points you can't take them. So you're reshuffling that, but you're familiar with the profiles and you're studying the profiles before that. And then the final data point is there. And I'll tell you, I could not have navigated all my drafts if, if I did not have a crystal clear plan, I was going through, it was kind of like that beautiful mind thing where you have the equations and stuff because every single point of, okay, we're getting to here, you know, the best player available is Jordan Addison. I'm like, boom, okay. I'm, you know, I'm looking to, to trade. I'll add to it. I'm trying to get a veteran wide receiver. I'm looking to trade down, pick up capital, you know, it's second round. Oh, it's all the same. You know, the, there's three, four running backs. I kind of like them all. Like who's going the cheapest. If I stick, I'm trying to get a little bit of variety. I, I've talked before about diversifying, not extremely, but you know, I'd like to, even though Kendra Miller to me is a little pricey, I still have a share or two. I'm not going to say no to that in a certain point. Uh, and that's exploring a trade that doesn't work out. Frankly, you're not going to have that work out. But I, I, when you start reacting in strange ways, when you're not prepared, I, that's, that's how, you know, boy scouts or people in business, if you're ready for a business meeting, you're locked and loaded. Like the curveball questions don't really, it's Teflon. It just bounces off of you. But what happens when you get into a test, you get into an interview and you just, you overslept, you didn't really prepare. You're not taking it seriously. You're not, you're not, you know, all the Intel and information, you're not up to speed on it. You're not a subject matter expert. You're going to flounder. You're going to die. You're going to sweat through your shirt and you should, you should be hyper nervous because you're not ready. So I would say your rookie drafts, know your format. You know, we talked about two PPR for tight end. You might have point per carry. Uh, you might have Debbie depletion. You got to get your lists ready. I mean, it sounds like homework. It is before a startup draft, before a rookie draft, these are big moments. I, and, and, and Jordan, we were talking before the show, how active these leagues are that they, they were asleep for three, four months, big time trading everyone's in it, whether you have picks or not, and they're trading around. So just keep all that in mind um, as we go through here with uh, preparing before your draft, preparing with what, when you get to a certain point, are you trading? Are you sticking? What's a good value? Don't, and, and don't massage that when you're on the clock, follow your process. 
you know, when you were talking, I was thinking, going back to my prosecutor days, still a prosecutor a little bit, but not really in the same form that I was. We always had a rule, never ask a question you don't know the answer to. And it was kind of like you were just saying, right? You get to a spot where you're like, all right, well, if this happens, what am I going to do? And you're kind of pre-planning that, right? And one of the best parts I think about rookie drafts is it sharpens your process, right? I kind of go in with like, I'm not exactly sure how I feel about this particular spot. And then I start to, the emotion of it will kind of make me, it'll clarify my judgment. Like, how am I actually going to feel pressing the button doing this? And you're like, okay, well, now I kind of know, right? That sorts it out for me. But by and large, before you get in there, you should have a pretty good understanding of like what you're trying to accomplish. And then if X happens, let's get, let's do Y, right? And here's four, five, six guys I'm trying to go acquire. You mentioned Traylon Burks, right? I was trying to make pivots. Uh, Debo Samuel was a guy I kind of like to make a pivot to, right? Some different running backs. I was in the uh, Antonio Gibson market, right? Kind of having these plays in mind about, you know, how I should be shifting, and already, you know, and then also with picks, right? It's all patterns, right? I'm going to try and move back, you know, what type of you know, three or four different patterns you can move. Like, here's kind of the constructs I'm going to do. Here's kind of my landing spots. Here's what I'm willing to forego, right? I was willing to forego second round rookie picks if I could get first round picks next year, right? Kind of having all those rules in place for yourself to make it really easy. That way, when you're on the clock, you're organized and ready to go. Reminder about all of our after hours weekly bonus content, the deeper dive. Uh, you, you got just a small piece of what you're going to get in terms of our action planning and discussion of rookie drafts. It's rookie drafting season. It's like wedding season and wedding, wedding crashers. And we are here for it. So again, thank you so much. The debut week, uh, bonus, the first episode of Dynasty Think Tank came out last week. And between the reviews, uh, the ratings, and the overall upward trajectory. Uh, I mentioned it was like an 18 year old breakout there for wide receivers there at the collegiate level that it's just been a banner debut. Thank you so much for listening and for your support, uh, subscribing, rating, reviewing, and, and just keeping that momentum going for us in the dynasty space that we've paved our way with years of chemistry built. And now we're here with our own, our own mission, our own show. And, and we're so happy to, to be going forward um, in that, in that fashion. So again, subscribe over at patreon.com slash dynasty think tank for the bonus content. So many people dozens already have. And, and thanks so much. That really gives us confidence to keep improving our content and acumen on a daily basis and providing that value for you, the Dynasty listener. Thanks for listening to Dynasty Think Tank. Follow us at Chad Parsons NFL, at Merrick Mayor of Dynasty. He is Analytics of Dynasty. I am UTH Dynasty. Get that exclusive bonus content. Get your Dynasty trade also uh, discussed on this on the episode in general, supporting the show. Um, so many great features that we're going to move in and out of our uh, our show here and as always unlock your ceiling and seek elite results